This is the Illuminate Podcast, a Sandy Boy production. Each week on the Illuminate Podcast, the hosts will bring you insightful conversations and stories of people who are illuminating their own lives through their business, work, community, family, and world. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Lindsay Hine, and today you're listening to episode 115. My guest today is Sarah Miller. Sarah is the program director for Green Halo Scholars, which is a nonprofit organization in the western suburbs of Chicago that supports self motivated, underserved, low income, and first generation high schoolers as they apply to attend and find success in college. Sarah has a really cool background. She worked in college admissions for quite a few years at Purdue University before working at Green Halo. So she has this unique perspective of what the admissions department looks like at a university. And now she works as the program director for Green Halo, where she can help high school students and their families get through this process of applying to college, which is a very stressful thing for a lot of people. We get to hear all about Green Halo and what they're doing there and why Sarah is so passionate about this organization and how they're helping so many students get to college. All right, friends, if you are enjoying this podcast, please leave us a quick rating and review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're listening. So potential new listeners who want to hear amazing stories of awesome organizations and people doing really cool work in the world can find this show. That would be a huge help. All right, everybody, enjoy my conversation with Sarah. All right. Well, today on the Illuminate podcast, we have Sarah Miller on the show. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. I am so glad we connected. We, I guess we're Twitter connections. That's how we know each other. Yeah, I um, have followed you from afar for many years as part of the indie running community. And I'm not in Indiana anymore, but um, still admire all that you do and like to stay connected with my favorite city in the world. Why? Tell us why you love Indy so much. Oh, I just think it's like the perfect sized city. So I grew up in central Indiana, um, about an hour away from Indy. And so like to go to Indianapolis was a big deal and was the big city. Um, And then once I was in college, I had a couple internships there and it just felt very manageable for like a young college student going into young professional world. Um, it was like big, but not too big. And um, obviously like all the connections with sports and there are great restaurants and the people are nice. Like I, on a weekly basis, sell my husband on Indianapolis and it hasn't quite worked yet. Uh, but my, my pitch is strong. I like to think. <laughs> Where in central Indiana did you grow up? So I grew up in Park County, which is the Coverbridge capital of the world. Um, it's right near Terre Haute um, and like a little, I mean, I don't really have a town name. I'm like closest to Bridgeton, okay. truly in a cornfield. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it's great. Well, it's so funny you say truly in a cornfield because my family recently moved to Raleigh, North Carolina from Indianapolis and all of my kids' friends are like, so did you live in a cornfield? 
Oh. And, and we lived in the city. <laughs> like right, we lived in right. like the furthest thing from a cornfield if you live in Indiana. And so yep. it's funny that people have that perception. But in, at the same time, a lot of Indiana is that. That's true. That's very true. I hail from that part of the state. So. Yeah, <laughs> Somebody for sure. Um, okay, so you work with Green Halo Scholars, which is a very cool yeah. program um, helping helping young young adults get, I guess not young adults yet, high school students get into college and scholarships and things like that. Um, before we dive into that, though, I want to hear, like, what is your passion with college admissions and how did you get started in this field? Sure. So um, I was like the stereotypical college tour guide. Um, I went to Purdue and was involved with the admissions office there. And a friend of mine used to always joke that our dream job was to come back to the office of admissions and work there. Like that was the pinnacle of success for us. And um, I graduated from Purdue, went and did a couple other things. And um, a couple of years out of college had the opportunity to go back and work at the time at my dream job as an admissions officer there at Purdue. Um, I spent about five years there and um, as I was working on the college side of things, my passion was really explaining the process to families. So I managed all of our social media and we had a a Facebook group for the families of admitted students. And from January until August, when they were dropping their their students off at at Purdue, um, I was answering questions literally round the clock about financial aid and scholarships. And what do I do if my son or daughter has a C in their senior year? And like, just bringing some levity to the situation. I felt like as an admissions officer, I could either add more hype to the already um, hyped up process and and stressful process, or I could just like do my best to bring it down a notch, even for a family or two. Um, So that's really what got me passionate about working with students and their families and, and making sure they understood this process and they didn't lose their minds by the end of it. Um, so I worked at Purdue until, um, really the start of the pandemic. My last week there was when things really started to shut down. I, I wanted to work more closely with families. So I took a role at a tutoring company here in the Chicago suburbs. And that's really how I found Green Halo and and what kind of kicked off this journey. So were you tutoring, um, high school kids? Um, so the company was, I was most definitely not tutoring anyone. <laughs> oh, was, you like, worked for the um, company. More, yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. I, uh, was more like an administrative role. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. No, I like to clarify that there was no tutoring going on. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, co- like applying to colleges can be so stressful. And I think that sometimes I see kids applying to like 12 different colleges and with each college application there's a fee so do you have a suggestion or do you have like a um you know everybody has their own individual plan but like do you have a suggestion of like this is how many colleges I would recommend applying to and things like that yeah yeah so for the average family the average student I think five to seven is a really good number um, it's manageable, but it still gives you some options at the end. Apply to a couple schools, one or two that are really a stretch, that are um, a reach for you or your student. Apply to a, a handful where you think you're competitive and then apply for one or two 
um, where where you feel like you'll get in. We don't like to call them safety schools, but ultimately um, that's the term that they've garnered. So yeah, that five to seven number. And and for our students that we work with, um, generally that number is more because ultimately it comes down to making it financially feasible. So the more schools they can apply to, the more financial aid packages they get and um, the more options they have come spring. For some kids, going to college is like, this is what we do. My parents pay for my college. Mm-hmm. This is like, they tell me I have to go in-state or I can go out of state, whatever it is. And that's like, they have their path set. For another handful of kids, they know they want to go, but they also know they're going to be paying for it, but they don't know how to, that process works. And then you have a camp of kids who's like, this is too overwhelming. I can't afford it. My parents can't afford it. Maybe I won't even do it. So who are you working with, with Green Halo? Sure. We're working with mostly that last group. Um, 70% of our students are the first in their family to go to college, um, 90% are low income. So even if they they feel like college is, is where they want to go, they don't know how to make it work financially. Um, all of our students participate, and I might be getting ahead of myself here, but all of our students participate in a, a single event in the fall in October where they get the chance to interview one-on-one with admissions officers from all across the country, from like 100 plus schools. And at that event, Um, Some schools offer day of acceptance letters and um, the first round of scholarships. And for our students, that's the day where going to college becomes a reality because they walk, they go home with an acceptance letter or two or three or four in hand with a scholarship of X number of thousands of dollars. And um, it, it becomes a reality up until that point. They're not sure how they can swing it and can I afford it and can I make it through this really complex process? And uh, that's really at the, at the core of what we do is walking them through um, their senior year and letting them know that it is a possibility and it is a reality. What about grades? I got really bad grades in high school. And <laughs> I mean, like very, very bad grades. And I, I won't even dive into my getting into college story. It's just very complicated. But like, um, what do you do when someone wants to be a part of your program and their grades just like really aren't there for, you know, say they want to go to IU or Purdue or one of those colleges, maybe not Yale or something like that, but like a college that right. is decently competitive to get into. Sure. So our, the students that we work with all have to have a 3.0 GPA in high school. And, um, there are certainly programs out there that support students who may not have the grades, and there are absolutely colleges that will accept them 1,000%. Um, but the students that we work with generally have pretty good grades. Uh, we're also really fortunate to have uh, community partners that we work with, like the tutoring company I was working with before, and they support our scholars as well. So we've had a couple who come to us in their senior year. They're taking pretty challenging classes. And they're just like in over their head. And uh, we're really fortunate to have folks in our community who step up and um, tutor them or get them the support they need. Um, because ultimately, those grades do matter to college admissions officers. So we want to make sure that we support them in the best way that we can. What's your advice to a, a, a high school kid? I keep confusing high school and college. What's your advice <laughs> to a high school kid whose grades just like aren't there yet, but they so badly want to get there so they can be a part of a program like this? Sure. So um, reach out to, I guess, if you're um, early on in your high school career, it, it's not too late to make that change. 
um, when I was reviewing files for admission um, as an admissions officer, you know, we looked at that grade trend and are they getting better versus, you know, dropping off. Um, so it's never too late to make that change. And if they're later on in their course of their high school career, you know, reach out to admissions officers, reach out to a program like us. Um, I think that initiative and that motivation certainly speaks a lot to um, a student and, and their ability to go to college and succeed. So if we had a student come to us who wanted to be a part of the program and maybe might not be at that GPA cutoff, um, you know, there are always always room for exceptions for students who really want that support. Um, what makes a college application stand out if someone's like teetering? Ooh, sure. So um, I think sometimes it can, like personality really helps. Um, you know, admissions officers are reading thousands of files every week, every month, and um, one of the applications I remember the most is not like the student who had a perfect SAT score or had a 4.0 GPA. Um, it comes down to like an essay that's really well written. And um, I remember one that was about a kid who liked to use a beekeeper, which is such a weird hobby for a 17 year old kid. Um, but he was a beekeeper and he like ended the essay with some bee pun. And I think it was like, I can't wait to be a college student. And I was like, this kid's great. I love this. Um, so just having an application that like has has some personality and isn't so, um, I think sometimes when students are applying to college, they feel like they have to say the right things. And they imagine like admissions officers, I always tell my scholars, like they're not these, you know, old white men and tweed blazers, like smoking <laughs> a cigar in a mahogany room. Like, they're 20 and 30 year olds who travel a lot and really enjoy getting to know high school students. So um, like just being able to connect on paper with someone I think can really help their application stand out. Okay. I have a question as a parent. Sure. sure. How involved should us parents be in the application process? Yep. 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 So um, it, it, The college applications process, I think, is the first time where high school students have the ability to practice self-advocacy, to manage a complex process on their own. Like, it's a really good way to to dip their toe into being an adult and going to college and going out on their own. Um, That's not to say that parents should be, like, totally removed from the process, um, what, one of the admissions officer or admissions directors that I really admire is Rick Clark at Georgia Tech. And Rick always says, if, you, if you're starting to talk about your child's college search and using the terms our mm. college list or our applications, like check yourself. <laughs> but if you can remove yourself a little bit and let them own it, um, you know, ultimately, like you're still their parents and you still want to be involved, uh, but you just got to let them let them learn on their own, which is that's hard. The best advice. I think <laughs> that that's, that's yeah. And I think that that's such great advice for almost anything in parenting. Cause you're like, not, it's not like, it's not our soccer game. It's my son's soccer game. Sure. It's not like, yeah, it's not our science project for school. I remember the parents that would for like, sure. I had a friend who's mom, I remember she'd like stay up to like one in the morning doing science projects with her daughter. And I'm like, my mom, I think my mom looking back could have been a little more hands-on with our school stuff. However, (laughs) she was a very young mom and she did an amazing job. And I think she did great with what she knew and had to work with. Um, 
But yeah, some some parents just get so overly involved and then the kids come to expect that handholding and you know, I have a couple of friends who work in uh, college, like at universities, like te- professors and different things like that. And they're like, the last thing we want is a parent of a 20 year old emailing us. <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. We got used to parent emails and admissions were all right. I mean, they were pretty common, but um, you could always kind of tell who's whose parents were going to continue to email on their behalf once they got their feet on campus. So Okay, so um, talk to us about like the importance of kids having mentors as they walk through these kinds of processes that might not be their immediate family. Sure. So applying to college is super complex, to say the least. And I think it's it's confusing for for families who the parents have bachelor's degrees or they have um, some kind of higher education and for, for students whose families don't have that college knowledge, um, it's just like incredibly overwhelming. I mean, you, you just can't put into words how vast it feels like their knowledge needs to be and how much they, they need to catch up. So that's really where a program like Green Halo comes into play. Uh, we pair our students with uh, a mentor who has a bachelor's degree and is from most of the time, our area, we have a, a few who are remote, and they really serve as their guide through this entire senior year process. They help them look for colleges. Uh, they help them decipher what acceptance letters mean or what financial aid packages mean um, and really serve as that like added um, encourager, cheerleader, advisor, um occasional like nagger when they ghost us, which happens when you're working <laughs> with teens. Um, but our mentors really step in and, and um, help help our scholars understand like where they are and, and what it takes to get to where they need to be. But sometimes if you don't know how to get to where you're going, like you don't even know where to start. And I think that's um, a lot of our students kind of live in that space until they get their mentor and understand what's next. Hey friends, a quick break here to thank a sponsor for this podcast, and that's Ana Luisa. Ana Luisa crafts high quality jewelry pieces at a very affordable price. I have a couple of their earrings and a beautiful necklace. I love gold, I'm on a gold kick right now. And these products are so beautiful, they're sturdy, they're affordable, but they look expensive. And the cool thing about Ana Luisa is they are a carbon neutral company from their packaging to their products. They care about their impact on the planet and their designs are unique. I am actually right now wearing their little Cassie hoop earrings, their 14 karat gold sterling silver. They're just so cute and they just bring a little dress up to a not so dressy outfit. And then the Sam necklace with the two little circles. I love that necklace so much. I'm actually wearing that right now as well. So many great items on their website that are on sale up to 40% off when you go to shop.analuisa.com slash illuminate. And that's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A. That's shop.analuisa.com slash illuminate and use the code illuminate and that'll get you up to 40% off your shopping. All right, friends, back to my conversation with Sarah. 
What does it mean for someone who's a first-generation college student in their family? It, it's really, I think, the the best part of the year for myself and for our two co-founders is, um, like, late April to mid-May when our students are deciding where they want to go to college. And they're paying their deposits and they're meeting their roommate. And like, they really have that sense of identity as a college student um, that, that they did not have when we met them, you know, in, in May or June, um, right before their senior year. So just to see that growth and development and that confidence build is so encouraging and inspiring and really encourages us to keep doing what we're doing. So, so you start working with the student the summer before they start their senior year. And yep, exactly. And how do they find out about your program and what does that onboarding process look like? Sure. So we work with seven high schools from the western suburbs. Um, every sp- spring, late winter, about this time, um, we meet with all of the, the high school counselors there and kind of go over the program and what we're looking for. And um, school counselors then nominate uh, students to our program. They fill out a short application and um, then they're they're part of Green Halo. So um, we we onboard them starting usually right after the school year ends. We want them to get through finals and like take a couple weeks just to chill. And um, then in June, we have a big kickoff event where we kind of walk them through our expectations for the year and um, really set the tone of like a college going culture and that, that going to college is something we're all going to do together. And, um, you know, it's a path that we're all going to walk down as a group. And so the scholars, talk to me about the scholarship Mm -hmm. piece. Like, what are they getting financial aid for and things like that? Sure. So we don't offer any formal scholarships through our program, but we do help them um, apply for outside scholarships, whether it's like the Elks Club or, you know, the Soil and Water Conservation District. Like, whoever's giving out money, we'll take them up on. And uh, then we also are really involved with helping our students understand their financial aid packages from the colleges themselves, um, apply for um, some schools have programs specifically for first generation or low low income students. Uh, So we help them walk through those processes. And then occasionally we have to advocate for our scholars on, on their behalf to these financial aid offices if there is a really large gap or a gap that we think that we can help kind of bring down um, the average gap for our students. So the amount of out of pocket money that they had to pay last year was about $5,500, which we were really happy with. Um, college is expensive. Obviously we want that number to be zero, um, but we felt like that was a manageable number for our scholars to, to pay. Yeah, I think so for the, for the year. Sure. Yeah. For the year. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you know, some kids do get to go to college and not have to have a part-time job or a full-time job. Some kids work their way through college and it seems like that would be a manageable amount. So you're, so I remember, yeah, I remember in high school, like there would always be all these scholarships that like went unused because people just like Mm -hmm. didn't know to apply for them. So you're like really helping these kids figure out like which scholarships would fit their, um, them as a, yeah, as a student. Okay. Yeah, we tell them to work smarter and not harder through this process. We're like reusing essays that they use for this one to apply for that one. Like these people don't communicate. Just (laughs) use the same thing and change it a little bit. Uh, So, yeah, we we try to do the best with what we've got. And 
Uh, you're right. So many scholarships just go un, unawarded and we don't we don't want that. We want all the free money we can get. Yeah, that's such a good like piece of life advice. Any, anyway, like you don't need to reinvent the wheel. I mean, whatever mm-hmm. you're doing with work, yeah. like if there's already an outline, like don't feel like you have to do everything so uniquely because that outline is probably going to be a really good base for you. For sure. Yeah. And I think that's important for us too, for myself and our co-founders. Um, like we're not the first college access program. We're just a young one. So what are other programs doing and what can we mimic to, to best serve our scholars? So can you share a little bit about the founders of the program? I know that one of the founders yeah. lost her son. And so that Green Halo is a tribute to him and kind of carrying mm-hmm. on his life. Can you share about that a little bit? Yeah, so um, Green Halo w- came out of our, our two founders, Santana and Sally, who both lived in the western suburbs, uh, western suburbs of Chicago, and they were both volunteering at um, Chicago Scholars, which is a much larger organization doing very similar work um, to what we do, but they only serve students in the the city of Chicago. So. They met volunteering there. You know, they were driving from the western suburbs or, or however um, to volunteer with students in the city and realized that there was this huge need for um, students in the suburbs where um, communities that we work with or some of the communities that we work with are, are fairly affluent. And there are still first generation and low income students and students with a huge need Um, you know, right in their own backyard. And so out of that, Green Halo was founded. Um, They worked with just a handful of students their first year. And every year that number um, has grown last year. So our our students who are current uh, college freshmen, we had 18 students. And this year we had close to 36. So we we were very close to doubling in size. Um, And and it's been really exciting to kind of be on that upward trajectory of this really young and, and growing nonprofit. You know, I really, I love this so much because sometimes you think like, oh, I have to go into the city to make a difference and be impactful if you live in a more affluent area. Um, But I love that they saw the need right there in their community, even if a high percentage of the kids going to those schools don't have that need. Like, let's, let's look out for the kids that might slip through the cracks. Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes um, it can be even harder to be a low-income student in a school, um, you know, where the community is is fairly wealthy or fairly affluent, um, because there, there's I think there's a, a good case of imposter syndrome that goes on um, with our, our students and making sure that they feel like they belong on a college campus and they they have the ability to apply. Um, so yeah, it. it when I found out about Green Halo, I was really surprised that there was a need in my own community. And that's coming from a career in admissions where I was going into these schools. And not once did I think about, um, you know, framing my message around first generation college students or low income college students. So it was a lesson for me too, um, just to be mindful of what's happening in your own backyard. How could, um, in any communities in, in this kind of situation, like how can parents roll their sleeves up and volunteer or like active members of the community for this need? Like what if you don't have a green halo, but you want to be a helper in this? You know, we always welcome volunteers at green halo. If you'd like to be one of our mentors, Uh, but I think starting with the school counseling office is a great place to, 
to begin. So uh, reach out to your high school counseling office and see if they need someone to read through essays. Um, see if you can sit down with a student and help them understand um, you know, what, what colleges are in your state or what colleges are within um, a driving distance of home, or if they want to go, you know, 12 hours away, help them understand that. Uh, but but a, a school counseling office is probably the best place to start to really understand the landscape of um, college access in your community and, and how you might be able to help. Okay, so for Green Halo volunteers, do they need to be local? Mm-hmm. Can some of that be via, you know, computer stuff? Yeah, so we do have some remote volunteers this year. Um, when Green Halo started, it was obviously very face-to-face, and then the pandemic hit, and now it's not. Uh, so all of our programming is done virtually. We have a couple events that we're fortunate enough to be able to make work in person. Um, one of them is that um, interview event that I mentioned that happens in the fall. And then in the summer, we have like a picnic where we just celebrate the accomplishments of our students But otherwise, we leave it up to our volunteers to determine how and when works best to meet with their scholars. So we're we're definitely not opposed to having virtual volunteers um, or folks from from other communities. So if anyone is out there and would like to spend a year uh, walking one of our scholars through the admissions process, we would absolutely love to have them. What does that time commitment look like? Yeah, it's so the nature of admissions is very cyclical Um, in the fall. It's pretty busy. I would say you meet with your scholar, you're, you're in touch with your scholar at least once a week. Sometimes that's a more thorough meeting. Other times it's just a check-in to say like, did you get your essay done? Um, then things quiet down in December and January, like colleges shut down, schools are closed. Everything's just like on pause. And um, from now until the 1st of May, things can get pretty busy and comparing admissions office. Um, admissions offers uh, between the schools. Generally, we say it's about six to eight hours a month, but again, some months are, um, you know, a little bit less than that. And then once the kids are off to college, what's the, like, how often are you guys in touch with them? Sure, at least a couple times a semester. That's really been an area of growth for us. Um, as we get more scholars, we have more scholars in college that we want to support. So uh, we're exploring a, a new mentorship program for um, our current college students to have a mentor just like they did in high school that will help them with resumes and networking and making sure their LinkedIn profile looks good. Uh, but we, we check in with them at least a couple times a semester and make sure you know that they're surviving and thriving and, and really succeeding in college. That's so great because, man, I, you know, I always say, like, I got to college. I don't think I was ready for college. I really don't think I was. But I also think if I waited too long, if I waited, I would have felt like left out because all my friends were going to college. I don't know that I was mature enough for it. I don't know. I also just don't know that I was meant to be a great student like I don't know <laughs> you know like I it's it's sure. not a strength of mine like school and taking tests and stuff but I do think if and I always got pretty icky grades but I do think if I had a close mentor that was maybe even close in age to me that mm-hmm. would have been really helpful so I imagine that part of your program will be great for sure and, and I saw that play out in my own life I went from a, a high school of Uh, you know, like 
300, 400 students, 70 in my graduating class to, um, you know, a Big Ten university where there were more people in my very first class at college than there were in my whole high school. And fortunately, I had some really incredible um, folks on campus who invested in me and, uh, you know, made sure that I was showing up where I needed to be and presenting me with opportunities that I just never would have imagined. And um, it made all the difference in my life. And I think that's really what drew me to, to this line of work, too. Yeah. And also just thinking that through, like, you know, people always say that everybody needs a mentor, even as adults, we need mentors. But like, what do you do? Go up to someone and be like, hey, will you be my mentor? So, I, you know, sure. I also think that's something as as parents um, it's important to like guide your kids in that direction and, and kind of lead by example in that way and talk to them about what a mentor is and talk to them about why that's important to have someone that they look up to and communicate with. And I don't know, I just been thinking about it a lot lately, like living a meaningful life. And one of the most important things to that is that human connection and Mm -hmm. having a mentor is a really big part of that. For sure, for sure. And I, I think it it can be really awkward to be like, will you be my mentor? But I also think that just comes out of, you know, those relationships that you have with people who um, you just click with. And you might not necessarily need to, like, explicitly ask, but um, having those relationships in your life where you feel like um, you, you have someone to look up to and you have someone to go to and um, times of, you know, professional crisis or personal crisis that can just be another uh, voice in your life that's not your spouse or your parents um, can be really, really helpful, especially it, right now in like this world that we're living in. I know. It's so crazy. Well, I think, too, that's a good message for those of us who might be, you know, not that you're ever too old to have a mentor, but like lean into that. If you see a younger person, like reaching out to you and, you know, like at some point it's time to like give back and, and go that way and, um, open doors for other people and just give, give your time, you know, is there anything else about green halo that you want to make sure that the listeners know about? No, just that if you'd like to get involved, look us up at greenhalostollars.org. Um, like I said, we're growing, which is so exciting, uh, but we need volunteers and folks to invest in us to support that growth. So um, if you'd like to be involved, um, you know, we would, would be more than happy to start that conversation. Um, okay, Sarah, what is something professionally or personally that you would like to do that you haven't done in your life? Sure. So um, the first thing when I was looking, when I was thinking about this is um I would, I ran, I've been a runner, a very slow runner for probably a decade. I started in college and I've always wanted to run a 5k that's less than 30 minutes. And I realize there are people listening to that who are like, what are you walking? Um, but that is like my running unicorn goal. And one day we'll get there. It just hasn't happened yet. (laughs) What is your what is your current best 5k time? Um I mean probably like 31 or 32 minutes and that's been a while ago. So like it's there but I just need to suck it up. <laughs> well, I'm very excited to tell you that I was just at a neighborhood gathering um, two nights ago. Mm -hmm. And this was the day after I gave myself a really big pity party. I was like sad all day on Friday. Like, I don't have any friends here in this new town. 
And then a random like get together just happened because it was like snowing in our neighborhood and everybody was outside. And anyway, everybody ended up at one of the neighbor's houses and I ended the night with a text chain with five women all wanting to train for a 5k. Yes. I'm so excited. But my, my point is I am going to write these ladies a plan. So I will give it to you as well. Oh, bless you. And yes, and that go. can, it'll, it'll, um, it'll lean towards like a couple, like a speed session once a week that will help you get sure. to that breaking 30 minutes. So I'll, I, I will it. just, your plan will be the same as theirs, but like, uh, we'll, okay. we'll cater it to like, um, some speed stuff so that you can meet that goal. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Thank you. I'll keep, keep you posted. Yeah. Um, okay. What is the best, most recent book you've read? I think the best is um, there is this is like my college admissions nerd coming out, but it's (laughs) the truth about the truth about college admission by Rick Clark and Brennan Bernard. Um, Rick is the director of admission at Georgia Tech. Brennan is a longtime um, college counselor. And um, like the subtitle is a I think it's a family's guide to getting in and staying together. So it's this whole book about college admissions and like navigating it with your head on your shoulders straight and like not going crazy. Um, and I just always go back to it like a couple times a year because it's just got a ton of really good um, information about college admissions. So if you have a, a student in high school, I would strongly recommend it. Uh, it's, it's really good. Well, and if you're someone who wants to volunteer for a program yeah. like Green Halo, it sounds like that's probably a good book to yeah. like use to educate yourself. It would be wonderful. Yeah. It's, in all of our all of our libraries. So we are definitely illuminating and highlighting Green Halo scholars today, but is there anything else or another person that you would like to illuminate today? Sure. So um, someone that came to mind for this, um, her name's Tori Totless, and I don't personally know her, uh, but she is, um, I don't know if like an influencer is the right term, but she um, is really involved in in growing women's golf and encouraging um, normal everyday women to like get out on their golf course and play, even if you're not very good. And even if it's, um, you know, really scary and and stepping out into, um, you know, something that you might not have done before. So golf has been like my pandemic hobby lifesaver and uh, some of the the messages that she puts out on her platforms are really encouraging to me as an average at best golfer. So did you and your husband, you just like started, like, had you never golfed before? And you're like, we need something to do. We're going stir crazy. Yeah. So um, it, it happened before the pandemic, but um, we had kind of a, a family crisis. And um, my husband had like golfed like I don't know, on the day of our wedding or, you know, like once or twice before. Um, and I just happened to find glo- uh, clubs at like a golf store tent sale. I think they're senior men's clubs that I got for like $20. So they're top of the line equipment. And um, yeah, we just started on like our local nine hole course. We were atrocious. <laughs> and now we're like taking golf vacations to Hilton Head with the retirement community. And we love it. It's been such a good uh, hobby for us and for our marriage just to like have something to go do together 
that's not serious and that we can be okay at. We're both very competitive, so it's not like all fun and games. <laughs> um, but we we really really enjoy it, and it can be hard as a, a woman to go out on a driving range and be the only woman out there. You know, it's my pink bag and my pink jacket, and like feel like an imposter. And um, there are a lot of men out there who are bad at golf too, so we can all just be bad together. What a great message, like for women, but also I love the message for your marriage because sometimes you just get into like, I do this, he does that, you know, my husband and I run together, but it's also like, I think finding a new hobby together sounds really fun. For sure. And and we both run, but we ran, uh, we trained for a half marathon together. We may have been engaged or dating and, um, I just remember being, I I didn't like to run with people before. And so we thought it would be like, oh, we'll run run together. This is so cute. (laughs) And I I remember we were on the course. We ran the race together and we were like running on um, like an on or off ramp. So we were going up, up a hill and he was just like gliding up it. You know, Mr. Like varsity athlete played baseball in college. And I'm looking at him like, are you kidding me? And I think I told him, like, just go, yeah. like, go run up this hill by yourself. Uh, so, yeah, running is a, a separate hobby that we can talk about together, but not an activity that we do side by side. That's so good. <laughs> I think that so many people yeah. who have ran with their significant other can relate to that. That's really funny. For sure. Unless you're like For the exact sure. same pace, which is very uncommon. Right. Where where do you find that? <laughs> uh, what is your last message to leave with our audience today? So I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier, just the power of mentorship and investing in the lives of, of young people. Um, you know, it's cheesy and they say it takes a village, but it really does. And investing in the life of, of someone else, uh, especially a young person, uh, could be so transformative for their life and, and hopefully for you too. So I would just encourage folks to find find a person that they can invest in and um, see, see what comes out of it. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us on the Illuminate podcast today. We really appreciate you and are so thankful to have you here. If you love this podcast, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. That way potential new listeners can find us and we can grow this podcast so that these amazing stories can get into the ears of more people and connect more people. We just love sharing these stories of people doing meaningful work in the world and we want people to hear about it. And you know, one of the reasons that it feels so important to get these shows into more ears is that I feel like it's a great connector. If someone listening might want to be a volunteer for Green Halo Scholars or get invested in one of these other organizations or businesses that we're highlighting, that would just be so wonderful. So that is one reason to help get the word out and share this with your friends and leave us a rating interview. All right, friends, thanks for being here. We appreciate you so much here at the Illuminate Podcast, and we will see you next week.